Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. It's not going to be the comms. It's not going to be the mander. It's going to be the commies in the capital of the free world. In Washington, D.C., the capital of the United States of America, where politics is everything. You're going to have a team nicknamed the commies. Was nobody smart enough to understand this? When somebody said commanders, did nobody say, oh, commies? Are you sure we want to go that way? Are you sure we want to do the Red Scare from the 1950s? Are you sure we want to do that? It's a terrible name. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So I guess we leave that in the dust. I mean, there's no point in Nobody thinks it's a good name. Nobody at all. The logo is nice. The name is terrible. Right. Um, you know, it's terrible. Melman wrote me that the second choice was the Pinkos. <laughs> They took commies. If that didn't work, they'd go pinkos. All right. I promised you people, you people, I promised you the other day that I was going to tell the Carbone story. And I'm going to tell the Carbone story now because there's a different ending to it than I originally had. The Carbone story is this. A friend of mine, an old friend of mine, asked me to do him a favor. He has a daughter who's married, and they wanted to go to a restaurant in New York City called Carbone's. I had never heard of Carbones, and my friend said it's very difficult to get in. And I thought, I said to him, that, and they also want to go, um, they want to go Valentine's Day, which is the hardest day to get into any restaurant in the world, even in COVID. It's hard to get into a restaurant. So armed with that information, what I said as a rejoinder was, are you sure it's not Carmine's? You know, Carmine's in the theater district, because that's not that hard to get into. I've eaten at Carmine's a bunch of times. And he says, no, it's Carbones. Yeah, the early seating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, the no. The smart thing to do is to go at 8 o'clock when everybody leaves to go to the theater, and then you have the restaurant to yourself, Ooh. if that's the restaurant you want to go to. So he says, no, it's not Carmine's. I know Carmine's. No, it's Carbones. I said, okay, I'll get on it. So the first thing I did when I found out that it was an actual place is... Um, your flashlight on your phone keeps popping on. I don't really want this. I know exactly what I want, and I hate this phone. Is and the ringer still on? This is, huh? Is the ringer still on? Is the it keeps going still... off during PTI taping? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so the first thing I do is I call Reality. Sure. Because I'm told that the restaurant is way downtown, like in the village, the East Village, the West Village, something like that. So I call Reality. And I say to Reality, have you ever heard of Carbones? Can you help get a couple of people in? Is it hard to get in? What can you do? And Reality writes back, red sauce joint that's been taken over by the Instagram horde. Okay? <laughs> Veal as big as a horse's head. It's amazing, <laughs> but as expensive as an African safari. And he says he took some people there. He says he took Isola and Woody Page and Tim Callishaw. They said it felt like a Goodfellas set piece. You know, so they say, and, and he says it's, it's hard. He says his last line is getting reservations there is murder. So I want to find out a little bit more about this, why it's murder. And then I find out, um, I call David Remnick. Now, David Remnick is the editor of The New Yorker. And of course, he's heard of Carbones. And I said, what can you do? He knows this person that we're talking about who wants the table for his daughter and her husband. And he says, well, that's, you know, do you know what's happened there lately? And I go, I don't know anything about the place. And he said, well, Kanye West was in the other day. And it went all over the internet, and then it turns out later on, I find out Rihanna was in there, and it's all over the internet. So it's a really hot, it's not only a good restaurant, it's not only an expensive restaurant, it's not only a small restaurant, it's a hot restaurant. It's really a hot restaurant. And Remnick makes a couple of calls, and Remnick said, you know, I, I think maybe I could get in, but then... I I don't know these people, and I don't know if I can bring them. And I said, oh, yeah. But Remnick was a trooper. Sure. I mean, Remnick, Remnick went the distance for me. Remnick made the calls. And his last words are, of course, the last words of everybody, which are not fortune favors the brave. <laughs> the last words were good luck. I called Pablo. I say, Pablo, well, you know, you grew up in New York City, private school. You know, hot shot with all your connections from high school and college. Can you get me in? And not me. Can you get people in? He goes, no. No, it's too hot. Wow. No, it's you can't. You're not going to get in, and you're certainly not going to get in on Thanksgiving. Not Thanksgiving. What am I talking about Thanksgiving? I'm Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. So then I call one more person. I call my friend Lisa Robinson. 
Lisa Robinson, her best friend in the world is Fran Lebowitz. Lisa Robinson is a New York City girl. She still she's a, she's a, was a rock and roll writer for so long, she still goes to bed at 4 in the morning. <laughs> she gets up at noon, goes to bed at 4 in the morning, does radio shows and stuff like that. Knows every place in town. It was Lisa Robinson who took me to Patsy's the first time. Ooh. Lisa Robinson knows Italian food. She knows great food. And I say, tell me about this place. And she goes, you know, it's so trendy. I can't. I can't help you. I'm an old woman. I can't help you. I go, well, what do you have? What, what's out there? Give me the three best Italian restaurants in New York City. And she said, well, that depends on a bunch of things. If these are young people and they're food people, they're not going to want to go where I go, where geriatric people go <laughs> for the food and the, and the company. It's different. So she gives me the name of a place called Bar Pitti, B-A-R-P-I-T-T-I, on 6th Avenue near Bleecker Street. And she says that's, in her words, very groovy. And groovy is the thing that these two people, young people, are going to want. That's what they're looking for. And I said, can they get in? She goes, it's tough. They don't take reservations. you got to stand there. you got to stand there. That's tough. I said, give me another one. She goes, Il Molino. And there's a few Il Molinos. M-U-L-I-N-O. Il Molino. There's one on 86 West 3rd Street. There's one on 43rd East 20th Street. And, And she said, it's really good. It's hard. Hard to get in. Hard to get in. And I said, well, where do you go? And she said, well, where I go, they're not going to want to go because I'm old. They're not going to want to go there. I said, where do you go? She said, Il Posto Acanto on 150 2nd Street between Avenue A and Avenue B. And that's all, the way, that's all the way downtown in what I guess is the West Village is what I'm thinking, not the East Village. But maybe it's the East Village. I don't know. My geography. It's a long time gone. Surprise, Sabaro's so, not on that list. It's not. No, Sabaro's <laughs> not on that list. So I do what I consider to be and I'm, I'll ask you, Michael, I do what I think is due diligence. I, I call Reali, I call Remnick, I call Pablo, I call Lisa. To me, this is what else are you going to do, right? And right. I accept the fact. You've gone above and beyond. Right. And in fact, Pablo said to me, this guy you're doing this for, you must really owe him. And I go, no, he's That's no. what you do for a friend. I know him a long time. I, I got a shot. Because he asked, could either Mike or I do it? Now, you know Wilbon's not going to do it. You know, he has no idea well, he might say what Italian it. restaurant is good in Manet. He doesn't know this. But this restaurant fits the bill for what he would find interesting in a restaurant. Right. If Barkley had ever been there, he would say it was great. Okay. So I do this, and I call, and I tell him exactly what happened. He said, you've gone way beyond. You know, just thanks so much. And I said, well, I don't want to give up. I don't want to give up. You know, so we'll keep trying here and there. It may not be valentine's day at least i didn't say thanksgiving may not be valentine's day but we'll try we'll try for car bones at valentine's day the thanksgiving of february (laughs) so i get a call yesterday and this is the kicker to the story i get a call yesterday from the socialite and the socialite's down in florida and he wants to tell me that he played golf yesterday he played golf with billy andrade who's a pro for a long time and a nice a nice guy very nice guy, Billy Andrade. I think he's a native of Rhode Island. Yeah, he's good friends with um, Faxon. Yeah, and so he's a good friend then of Tom Jones, not that Tom Jones. He doesn't just play with him. He says, I played with Albert Pujols. I said, what? <laughs> what? He said, yeah, I played with Albert Pujols. He says he said he was a three. I don't know that he was a three, but he really hits it a long way. And I said, well, how did this come about? And he says, oh, it's a guy you know. Like, what do you mean a guy you, I know? And he says, well, there's this guy. He said he's in the Jewish Sports Hall of Fame with you. What's his name? What's his name? He goes, Barry. I go, Barry Weinberg? He says, yeah, yeah, Barry Weinberg. He said, Barry Weinberg knows everybody in the world. <laughs> Barry Weinberg was the trainer on the St. Louis Cardinals with Tony LaRussa for 100 years. Barry Weinberg knows, plays with Bobby Knight. There's nobody in the world that Barry Weinberg doesn't know and play golf with. There's nobody. Nobody. He goes, yeah, that's the guy. So I immediately send an email to Barry Weinberg, of course, to find out about this. That's not the end of the story, though. Then Alan says to me, well, what's this thing with Carbones? I go, well, what do you know? And he goes, oh, yeah, the owner is a member here. The owner is a member here. And I go, well, do you know him? And he says, no. I said, well, do you think you could ask? And he says, yeah, Sure. So now we've got, now we have entree to the front door. Alan knows the owner of Carbones, which is apparently more than one because they're opening in other places. Alan knows the guy. 
So there's a, are you telling me I've got a chance? <laughs> right? So now I think I've got a chance so for I, my friend's I, daughter and husband. I think we need to leap over the daughter and husband. And, and do I, it I think we need to arrange for a great dinner with you, Reali, Pablo, Remnick, Allen, and the ownership and group. Yeah, of course, Lisa. Lisa. Well, yes. she'll show up late. Yeah. Uh, but clearly, what's going on is you no, really, no, no, you like really want to go. Slot. You yeah. want to go out to eat. Yeah, I like. I haven't gone out to eat in two years. <laughs> I, I haven't. I you know, I'm waiting okay, for Omicron to be over. The, uh, you still get the takeout rotisserie from Columbia. I do, which is good. Which but is that good. gravy. Although, it's a new meal every Thursday. It, it, it's for every Thursday in a month. It's the same meal. So last month it was chicken. And roasted potatoes and broccolini. The chicken. Again with the chicken. And Every night. this month, I thought it would change, and it has changed. It's chicken, <laughs> but it's mashed potatoes and green beans, which were great, by the way. You even had them. Oh, the mashed potatoes were fantastic. They were great. Bootsy made a volcano. You know, <laughs> a little so, rich for his for his, uh, I was for really his happy about that. So, so I'm sort of sniffing the finish line on Carbones, right? Sure, yeah. The That's socialite the- out of nowhere. Yeah. So I I feel pretty good about that. I don't want to name the club that he's in. I don't you know I don't want to name. I don't want to be specific here until I get permission to be specific. Of course, but there's a chance by the golf there's a, carts. There's a chance <laughs> that I can get this done at Carbones. There's a chance. That's tremendous. That, that I don't know. Yeah, but just the fact that it's still alive right now. I don't know. think I can get it done on Valentine's Day. That that appears to be too. Stupid. And these people live. By the way, this it's an airplane flight away. They live in another state. It's a long way. But they're willing to go. They want to go to Carbones. I guess, you know, I, I guess they are of that generation that looks at social media all the time. And if you see people like Kanye West or Rihanna at a certain place, you think, well, I might like to go there. I don't know. I mean, to me, well, I shouldn't say this. Because one of the highlights of my life was going to the Palm one day, the day that George Clooney was there. Right. But, of course, that was, a, that was an invite-only thing that was a premiere of a television show. It wasn't... You weren't going to sit down and eat. You were just going to hang around and have hors d'oeuvres. Anyway, that's the Carbone story. Worthwhile, yes? Yeah. Not a bad story at all. Absolutely. Not a bad story. So we will take a break, and when we come back, Jason Locke and Fora will join us, and I think you can imagine what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about this lawsuit a little bit. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Freshly Read. We are able to actually talk about this in a different way. I'll just read a couple of lines, and then we'll segue. Food that's fast doesn't have to be fast food. Freshly offers quality meals without the hard work. Other meal deliveries need to be prepped and cooked, but Freshly's ready to eat in three minutes. At the end of a long day, takeout doesn't have to be your only option for an easy dinner. Whether it's for you or your whole family, Freshly gives you convenience, flavor, and nutrition. That's what they want to hear. Now what you want to hear is we got a box. We got a box. I got a box. You got a box. I delivered it on time every time. <laughs> and what did you what did you keep? Okay, so the first thing is we like to call this the Kornheiser, the younger Kornheiser household tax. So we took the sausage penne. Right. Uh, and for us we find we're often cooking more than one dinner for I don't know, Bootsy and the Hammer. And they love the sausage penne. And we also took the zesty buffalo chicken. Ooh. And it has some sort of like a cauliflower side. And you gave me, among other things, the steak pepper I know you like that. And the chicken parmesan with the mac and cheese. So I'm going to be able next week to say, well, we ate this and we ate that and we like this and we like that. Let's target the weekend. This weekend to eat it. Yeah. So we'll do that. It's going to be cold tomorrow. And then we'll tell you, I know it's going to freeze. All the rain for the last two days is going to freeze up. Have they got any mutton in the package? No mutton. Get delicious chef-made nutrient-packed meals delivered straight to your door. No cooking required. Choose from over 50 nutritionist-designed entrees like their classic steak peppercorn, multi-served sides like their masterful mac and cheese, or their new line of plant-based meals. I'm not a plant-based guy. My not opinion, yet. You can take the plant-based things. New meals are added weekly, so you're never stuck eating the same thing over and over. Stop stressing about dinner. Right now, Freshly is offering our listeners to this high-quality podcast $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Tony K. That's $40 off at Freshly.com slash Tony K. Use the code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The commanders are going commando. Through the tunnel, here come the guys. The commanders are going commando. 
ladies avert your eyes. They're young, they're free, they're all of age. New name, new uniform, it's all the rage. The commanders are going commando. Keep your eye on the prize. I stand by my belief they should have been called the Pentagons. Local military tie-in, cool geometrical shape, greatest rebrand in the history of sport. The commanders are going commando. They're gonna run wild tonight. The commanders are going commando. Fight, fight, fight. Genius. <laughs> Dan Byrne. Genius. It's a genius. <laughs> it really is. He's a genius. All right, we plays in Jason Lock and Four of CBS Sports and one of the great uh, radio shows of all time. And, and, and there's a million ways we could start, but there's really only one way. What do you think of the lawsuit? What do you think of the lawsuit? Um, well, I, I guess my first sort of response is I don't know how one could say that any document that alleges systemic, in the, the systemic racism in the hiring processes in the NFL um, and gross discrimination. I don't know how you could uh, immediately out of hand just say it's without merit when there's never been a black owner in this league's been around for a hundred years. There has been what one African-American team president. There is currently one African-American head coach at a time when a a damn near a third of the league, 10 teams, are overhauling their coaching staffs. And as of right now, Mike Tomlin is the only black head coach. Um, when you have to keep incentivizing time and time and time again over 20 years and ramping up your Rooney rule and your measures to try to uh, cajole diversity and inclusion from these owners, and yet the more, you, the more layers you add to that, the less people of color actually get these jobs. Um, if we want to get down in the weeds about the $100,000 per loss and some of these other sort of ancillary um, um, arguments and situations, and is there evidence and isn't there, we can. But to the larger point that there um, could be, many would say should be, a class of individuals who could make the claim that they were denied employment, at least in part by the color of their skin, I don't know how the hell you could say race doesn't play a role in this when the white people who hire people of power and influence in this league continually, almost exclusively, hire white people. Do you think that the NFL, and, and I, by the way, I complete, if I ran the NFL, I would try to concentrate on uh, what Jason calls ancillary issues like tampering or bribery. I would certainly do that because I don't want to deal with the larger issue. But do yeah. you think that the NFL is worried about this lawsuit? I, I don't know how you, you you couldn't be worried about it because you don't end up with results like this unless there are inside deals, unless it's not a, a level playing field. And this agent is agreeing in some capacity to allow you to interview two of his minority candidates, knowing that if he does that, it takes his really hot white guy to the top of the class and maybe gets his that hire done even more quickly because I can help you fulfill the Rooney Rule lickety split. But I got to know that this is really about my other guy, wink, wink. You know, I've heard there was nothing, Tony, nothing. And I had this conversation with, with our former colleague, at the Washington Post, Steve Weiss, last night. There is not a thing in these allegations in regards to um, Brian Flores' feelings and emotions and experiences and what he believes to be his truth going through these interviewing processes. Again, I'm not talking about Tom Brady allegedly waiting for him on a yacht. I'm not talking about whatever Stephen Ross may have said about losing games. I'm talking about the core issue here. I don't know how the league can't be worried about it because this stuff, these ex- so many men have spoken to me on background or off the record and told stories that mirror this. I mean, it, there's not, when I say there is not a thing that in any way I was like, Oh wow. I didn't, I, I, I can't, I can't believe that nothing when it comes to how these processes work, what how people who were made to feel less than people who go into this thinking I'm doing two favors now, hoping somebody maybe does a favor for me, you know, four years down the line, um, the bartering, the trading, um, 
the, the, the deals that are basically done before the processes even start. That, that's how the same teams keep screwing up all the time. Like, this, this isn't a meritocracy. This isn't a search for the best and the brightest. A lot of the times, the answers are already known before the questions are asked. I would say this, and I don't want it to sound like pushback, but Steve Ross actually hired Brian Flores. He actually did it. Now he got yes. rid of him, and we would all say he got rid of him he, too soon. He had and a black I don't know what and a blackhead coach, absolutely. Yeah. So does he get more credit than somebody else? I, I mean, I don't know about credit. Um, right. I, 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 if I guess I would say what Brian Flores seems to be having issue with is the the way these decisions are made, you know what I mean? The way these interviews are conducted, the order in which they're yes. conducted, yes. Um, yes. who gets follow-ups and who doesn't, who's there just to check a box, and, and you know what I mean, and who isn't. And he continually points out certain organizations that have never hired a person of color for a prominent role ever. Um, I, I, I think I get a little confused myself in, in sort of what – is just sort of what he would deem to be um, non-competitive or somewhat nefarious behavior or, you know what I mean, a climate under which you weren't really given the opportunity to be the best and the brightest because, you know, they wanted to catch as many L's as they could for a while to try to get the best players. I would also say he, he, he had to know what he was walking into because the whole league knew what they were walking into. But I think, Tony, he would also contend that – because of what, that, that his situation was a little bit like David Culley's situation where there was going to reach a point, no matter how I did for a year or two, that when they thought they were on the other side of this thing, they were going to find a reason to force me out, and then they were going to go and get their guy for the long haul. And why is it always that the coaches of color, Steve Wilkes, Culley, now me, tend to be pushed out before a lot of people would say they even had a chance versus these, you know, my white contemporaries who get a longer uh, stay, get a longer leash, if you will, and get recycled much more quickly than us where, I mean, Todd Bowles didn't do a horrible job with the Jets. Leslie Frazier didn't do a horrible job with the Vikings. They have gone to other places and led dominant teams on their side of the ball, dominant defenses, and now we've got white one-year coordinators like Brandon Staley who didn't play the game at a high level, who haven't been leaders of men, who haven't ever been a head coach before, who have only called a defense for one year, and bam, he's getting a primo job like the Chargers, and here we are feeling used again. Um, do you expect <coughs> excuse me, do you expect other coaches to join in this lawsuit? Because it is risky. It, yeah. it, there is the possibility you'll never get another job, although there's also the possibility you'll get the next job. I mean, I don't know. But do you expect yeah. other coaches to come out in support of Brian Flores? I mean, it's, I don't want to speak for anybody who's had to deal with these things. And, and like you said, everyone feels like they go through their own mental calculus of do I, do I, do I tell some of my story to the media? Do I, do I tell it um, you know, on background? Do I tell it on the record? Do I let my agent kind of mine these fields for me? Or, or do I just come out and, and do something like Brian Flores did and he's certainly not the, the, the first or only person to have thought about, um, you know, legal ramifications and, uh, and, and filing a lawsuit. I, I know other men feel exactly as he does and, and mm -hmm. have for a long, long time. Um, I would not be surprised if, if others said, you know, here, here's my deposition. Here, here's my experience. Here's where I felt I was used, made to feel less than, and took part in a process that was never going to result in a person of color getting this job. And I'll attach my testimony to it. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, Tony. So the other day I said on PTI, I said, look, what is obviously true is that black coaches are the last hired and the first fired. It's obviously yeah. true. And there has to be a remedy for this. And I said, I'm not smart enough to know what the remedy is. I'll ask you, yeah. do you have, does anybody you know have a remedy that, that you said, you know, that sounds like it might work? I, I, I don't. I mean, I have things that I've written columns on in the past and I'm noodled on. I think it was a few years ago where there was um, at least a little bit of initial momentum for um, possibly stripping teams of draft picks. 
who don't, um, who refuse to be uh, diverse and inclusionary in their hiring processes. And if a team goes through multiple head coach or GM cycles, like let's say they're now going up on their third hire in six years because they can't get it right. And they right. want to go with, you know what I mean? They're, they're Caucasian, the it guy, hot guy flavor of the, of the week because they're so sure he's better than the field. That's fine. Go and do that, but you're going to do it without a first round pick. Like that's, yeah, you know what I, I mean? Like, I think I have a trouble. I think I have some trouble with that because I think people that own businesses it seems to me, should not be punished for hiring somebody that they want to hire. I'm, I'm, I'm maybe you could explain it to me where yeah. I would go on the other side of that, but it's hard. Well, I for guess me. If, if it's if there's some of these teams that have never done it, if there's owners who have right. never done it, and now they have right. three cycles within a short period of time, and it's clear that the way they're doing it doesn't work, and they want to keep doing it, we're not going to tell you you can't keep doing it but there's going to be a financial or there's going to be mm-hmm. a drip. Cause that's really the only thing that gets their attention. And the fine's got to be really, really big to get their attention. But the, mm-hmm. I, like, they, they've gone the other way, right. And incentivized it where, okay. If, you know, if you develop a coach of color and he gets hired somewhere else, you get the draft pick compensation at the end of, of a round. But we're standing here again in a, in a marketplace where more jobs were open than they've been in a long, long time. And everything's still so everything's far. still going in, in in the direction that the league is not trying to incentivize it to go in. So you know, I it's either that or there was also talk years ago about um, if you if you hire a coach of color, then the team that does the hire gets a draft pick versus the way it ultimately ended up going, which was the team that developed the coach. I mean, maybe it has to be. I don't know, something more of the carrot or something more of the stick, I would suggest, is in order because we're, we, we've, this is, the ruling rule's been around for 20 years. You tell me if it's working. You tell me if people feel like these processes are, are more um, egalitarian and fair and more of a meritocracy now than they were when Johnny, Johnny Cochran was threatening legal action against the league, which is what was the momentum and the impetus for the Rooney rule in the first place. So if you, if you are Roger Goodell right now and you're trying to put on a Super Bowl, which is totally overshadowed by this particular story, you face this lawsuit and you face a John Gruden lawsuit. Um, how nervous are you as Roger Goodell for your job? Well, I mean, he's on his last contract now anyway. You know, this last contract negotiation was, was um, you know, he and the owners kind of knew what, where they were and where Roger was and what the most likely next step is. And there's been um, plenty of palace intrigue and, and plenty of um, politicking behind this potential internal replacement candidate or that potential um, internal replacement candidate. So I, I think that clock has already been ticking and, and everybody could look at the scoreboard and see what it is when, you know, okay, well, what's the length of this extension and, and how does it operate? But let's be clear. I mean, the league office is the owners. Roger Goodell is the owners. The league is the owners. They decide who gets in. They decide who the team presidents are. They decide who the coaches are. They decide who the general managers are. And then those individuals decide who the players are, who is good enough, who gets paid, who doesn't get paid. Everything that comes out of Park Avenue is at the behest of the owners. I mean, so like the idea that this is on Roger, yeah, it's on Roger Goodell because he gets paid a, a boatload of money every year to be the face of this stuff. But trust me, I think Roger Goodell feels more shame about the current state of affairs than these owners do because their actions are telling you. Again, 10 of 32 were presented at this very moment in time with the opportunity to um, – run these searches however they run and come up with the end games and outcomes that they come up with and everything that the league office has been outwardly saying, please consider, please do. The Rooney rule isn't just a box to check. And at this moment in time is when the lawsuit actually happens. And you're talking about the specter of deposition. And, and so I think everybody's worried about it, but I think in his heart, Roger Goodell feels worse about it than, than some of these owners do because the owners are the ones 
who who aren't you know who who aren't coming through right. on what the league is that's really right. really hoping they'll come through with. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much, Jason. Plug the radio show for us so people can. Uh, you can listen to me, uh, Hemmen Hall and Rand Ray, from two to six every single weekday. That's Eastern Time on Inside Access on 105.7 The Fan. You could also stream us anywhere on uh, the Odyssey app or www.1057thefan. And if you are a lady between the ages of 30 and 55 um, and you are looking for a tennis-playing man about town and you are on the Hinge app, please try to find our friend. Mr. Jerry Aloysius Coleman, um, I, I think he's, he's, he can change your life in ways you can't even imagine. We're not getting many likes on the profile we created for him, but we do vouch for him. And if he shows up on your like on your potential likes, um, please, please do, please do click on him or whatever it is. Punch the little in signal or the heart and like him back. It will be me texting you originally because it's on my phone but we will shepherd you to Mr. Aloysius Coleman himself <laughs> at the appropriate time. Thank you for this opportunity, Tony. So happy I don't do social media. <laughs> I just think you've done such a terrible thing just now, and I don't even know why. Thank you, Jason. Jason you got Lincoln it, guys. Cora, Have a good one. Girls. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Greg Cody of the Miami Herald and the Greg Cody podcast will join us. He wanted us to plug his podcast, right? Yes, he did. That's what Greg we do. Cody show, yes. That's what we do. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Here's the X-Chair read. From the first moment you sit in an X-Chair, your body will immediately say, ah, so this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? I doubt it. But X-Chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? I doubt it. But X-Chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X-Chair. And once you feel the customized support of X-Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, or DVL, which I am feeling now because I'm sitting in an X-Chair, your back will never be happy in any other chair again. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. Those are all reasons to love the X-Chair. So try X-Chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you'll never go back. Jody didn't go back. Right. Jody loves the X chair. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X chair, T O N Y, dot com, or call 1 844 4X chair for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of, ext- of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtony.com. See, when you give the phone number, when it's 1 844 4X chair, Four could also be in your head, F-O-R. So they should write the copy numbers. You know, they should say numbers so there's no confusion. Because if there's a small amount of confusion in my mind, there could be a small amount of confusion in somebody else's mind. XChairTony.com. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a group called Ben's Bones. Joe writes... You played a couple of our songs in the past. We appreciate it. I've definitely enjoyed listening to some of the hidden gems you've shared on your podcast. Musicians I may not have otherwise had the chance to discover and add to my Spotify list. Likewise, as other emailers have commented recently, I found it pretty cool that you played a well-known musician like Pat McGee. And while not a David Aldridge moment for me per se, since I don't personally know him, our drummer actually played and toured with Pat McGee for about a year or so, not too long ago. So the connective tissue of the show also extends to musicians you feature. This is a song called Wishful Thinking. He wants to plug a show tomorrow. Tomorrow at the 49 West in Annapolis. Ben's Bones will be at Annapolis 49 West. Joe will not be there as the person to whom I'm related by marriage hates any weather other than 90 degrees. Recently talked me into moving from Maryland to Florida. So I only get to play with the band whenever I'm back in town. But it'll be a great show even without a rum-dum like me playing the keys. <laughs> Wishful thinking. Michael, if people like Ben's Bones want to send us some music, how do they do it? Send us some music by emailing it to jingles at tonykornizershow.com. We have Greg Cody with us. Greg, I've known for like a million years. Greg works at the Miami Herald. It's sad that he's a friend of Levitard's, but what can I do about that? <laughs> Nothing I can do about that. Um, and you do a podcast as well. How, how, the Greg Cody Show, how often do you do that? We do it three days uh, a week. We- how often do you do it? Yeah, we do it uh, once a week. It comes out every Monday morning. 
Okay. And it's long? How long do you go? Um, we generally go in the 45-minute to one-hour range. You know, we try to keep yeah. it manageable. That's supposedly the sweet spot. We go over. I just keep talking. Then I read emails, and I'm a dope. And people seem to like it, or they just stop in the middle. So let me let me get to the. the we just had Jason Lock and Fora on talking about the lawsuit, and the lawsuit overshadows everything in the NFL at the moment, and will for quite some time, I believe. Uh, you live and work in Miami. You know Steve Ross. I know you're not a fan of Steve Ross. Uh, but so let me take this in a reasonable order to try and make people understand how it works. Brian Flores in his second year won 10 games. They missed the playoffs, but he won 10 games. Last year yep. he started out terribly and reversed the whole thing and ended up with a winning record. Last two years he's got a winning record and he gets canned. Why was he fired, Greg? Um, I think he was fired as an accumulation of stuff. He, he would not go along with um, some of the stuff Stephen Ross wanted. You know, he, it, it was, man, it, it's, it's such a complicated case. I mean, if you believe um, the coach, if you believe Brian Flores, which I do, here's a rookie coach finally getting his first shot, a rookie head coach in 2019. The owner immediately hits him with, our priority is that number one draft pick. I'm going to give you a $100,000 bonus to lose games for every loss. Wow. Um, Brian Flores, a guy of integrity, um, doesn't like that uh, for obvious reasons and doesn't go along with it. And that sours the whole relationship. And for the next couple of years, uh, he's looking for a reason to fire Brian Flores. And he doesn't come up with one, so he fires him anyway. You know, the, the Dolphins haven't had consecutive winning seasons since 2003. You know, this was the right coach for the job. And he fires him. It was it was unjust. It was, uh, you know, I refer to him as the clown show owner, and I generally don't deal in that kind of language. Uh, you know, I try not to deal in hyperbole or or get too uh, mean in in what I write. But in this case, it was just a, an unjustifiable sacking, and um, I thought it was shocking. It was probably the first time I've ever truly been surprised uh, by a coach being fired when he was fired. And and it, and it led to this um, lawsuit, and it led to this lawsuit. And I agree with you. It it, it overshadows the entire league right now as uh, as Roger Goodell tries to uh, pivot all attention to the Super Bowl. You know, he's dealing with this uh, um, show. If I'm allowed to say that on your podcast, no, you're not. But we'll bleep you out. Don't worry about it. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, we go back. We have Carville on all the time, so we have to bleep him all the time. It, it, it doesn't matter. So let, let me get let me get to this thing. Um, that was called tanking for Tua, which might be a dubious thing to have done. You got him anyway at the number six pick. If that's the guy you wanted, that's who you got. But yeah. do you do you find it credible? Do you find it credible that Steve Ross actually offered Brian Flores, his coach, a hundred grand, which is nothing compared to what your contract is, really, for every loss? You find that credible, and do you think that we will find? Proof of that. I do find it credible, um, and I have no idea whether there's going to be proof of that. I do know Flores' lawyers say that they will have corroborating uh, mm -hmm. evidence of that. Um, I don't know what that evidence is. It hasn't come out yet, but uh, if you're to believe his lawyers, then uh, it, it, was, it was true. You know, I don't know. That's, that's why in, in the column I wrote on, on this lawsuit, um, I threw in the essential uh, two-word hedge, which is the phrase, if true. Uh, what if what true. I wrote was, yeah. you know, if true, if what Brian Flores is saying is true, then Ross can no longer be the owner of this team. He just can't be. He, he's got to give up uh, his role. And if true is, is an essential thing, you know, it's like you, you can't not say that because I don't assume anything. I believe Brian Flores. I don't know that he's uh, being truthful here, but I do believe him. But yeah. if true, if true, it's a it's a scandal such as the Dolphins have never had. Oh, if true, and I said this the other day on PTI. If true, he he's disqualified that day. You take the team from him that day. If true, There's, there are two yeah. sexy things here, and the two sexy things are actually detracting from the greater 
lawsuit, which is much more important than these two sexy things. One is the $100,000 bribe, and two is the tampering charge, where Steve Ross said to Brian Flores, allegedly, come out on my boat with me. Um, you know, and I, you know, there's a quarterback that I think you ought to talk to. And just coincidentally, ha ha ha, coincidentally, he's going to be in the marina. And allegedly, Brian Flores said, I'm off the boat. I'm not going to do this. And it was then reported, I believe, by the Palm Beach Post that that quarterback was Tom Brady. Do you believe that? Because I find that very easy to believe. Very easy. Uh, I I do tend to believe it. Um, Again, you know, all of this stuff is going to come out and what's going to happen is that uh, somebody's going to end up uh, probably perjuring themselves under oath in a, in a, mm. depos- in, in a trial or something. I mean, this could get extremely ugly. Um, the idea that Steve Ross, who's in his early 80s and desperate to win, uh, would go after Tom Brady as a, as a quick fix doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Getting back to the tanking for Tua thing for a minute, uh, that was totally a, a fan creation, like, it turns out after the fact that they wanted Joe Burrow all along, not Tua. Oh, which is okay. Why, which is why you know that's why um, they offered three first round draft picks after after Brian Flores failed to tank well enough to get the number one draft pick. They then offered three first round draft picks to trade up with Cincinnati to get Burrow, and Cincinnati said, "Ah, nah, we don't want to do that." And and of course that further soured the relationship between Flores and, uh, and, and Ross. What are your thoughts about Ross? I mean, he's, he's a local, right? I'm, I'm told by my friend and former boss, George Solomon, that they went to Miami Beach High School together. So I think that would say that he grew up in Miami, in that area. What did you think of him before this? What do you think of him now? Um. That's a complicated question. Um, I think he's been an exceptionally good owner in one area, and that's capital improvement. Um, you know, he poured a lot of his own substantial money into huge stadium upgrades. Uh, he built a brand-new training facility with his own money. Uh, he's done all he can from a physical standpoint, from a building standpoint, to make this a class franchise. But he's had so many um, things go wrong under his ownership. He's been a, you know, by any measure, he's been a failed owner. Uh, he's had a lose. I think his record in 13 years on top is something along the lines of 96 and 115. He's had three winning seasons, two of them under the coach he just fired. Flores. Yeah, uh, Flores. Yep. Yeah, he, he's had... Um, He's had one playoff team with a quick exit, so he hasn't won a playoff game in 13 years. You know, and, and if you can blame the owner for that, then he's a terrible owner. I think he's, I think from a personal standpoint, um, until, until this story, uh, I'm not sure if I would have doubted his integrity much. Now, he's done things over the years uh, to make you question it. You know, you, you recall 10 years or so ago when Tony Sperano was the sitting head coach, and uh, he, it came out later, but it was a secret then. He secretly flew out west in his private jet to try to woo Jim Harbaugh, even though he had Sperano as a sitting head coach. And that got out. He failed to sign Harbaugh. He publicly embarrassed Sperano. Uh, he then said, I'm sorry, by giving Sperano a uh, contract extension and then immediately fired, fired him, him during the next season. So, yeah. you know, things like that make you question his integrity a little bit. It's all in the name of winning, he's desperate to win. But, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to criticize him personally, but I think he's been a, uh, a failed owner. It's an amazing thing. He's got a vacancy. He's got a vacancy. Who's he going to fill it with? Who's going to want to go to work for him? <laughs> That's a good question. The timing, uh, the timing of this story is terrible from all angles. It's terrible for the NFL as it stages a Super Bowl. It's terrible for the Dolphins as they shop for a new head coach. It's uh, obviously terrible for Brian Flores. Uh, There's just no winner here in in a story like this. Uh, He's going to find a head coach because there's 32 of these jobs and somebody's going to be desperate uh, to fill it, whether it's Mike McDaniels of San Francisco, who, you know, whoever it's going to be is, is this thing won't even come up in the press conference. 
you know, I mean, I mean they're, they'll try to, uh, to ignore this story publicly as much as they can. You know, Ross refuted, uh, didn't refute, but denied all the allegations, Yeah, of course. But, yeah. but beyond that, I guarantee you when they hire a new head coach, this story is not going to be volunteered. It may be asked by the media, but it certainly won't be volunteered by the new head coach or by Ross. Yeah. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Anytime, the Greg Tony. Cody Show is a podcast every Monday, you said, right? Every Monday? Yep. yep every Say Monday. hi to Lebitard for me, okay? I'll, I'll do it. Thanks, Tony. Greg Cody, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of you folks. You think you can sing? <laughs> Denise Graves can sing, okay? Nigel, do the Bethesda Bagel ad, please. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That just about does it for us. But before we get to the mailbag, let me say February made me shiver with every paper I deliver. Bad news on the doorstep. I couldn't take one more step. I can't remember if I cried when I read about his widow bride, but something touched me deep inside the day the music died. That's my nemesis. That's Don McLean. In the news lately, um, big story written about him that was sent to me by John Walsh. Uh, you know, still got real long hair. Yeah, he does. He's yeah. got like Troy Palomalu hair. <laughs> he really does. Thanks to our guest today, Jason Lockenfora, CBS Sports, Greg Cody, the Miami Herald, host of the podcast, The Greg Cody Show. Thanks to today's sponsors, X Chair and Freshly. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Got a DG email. Everybody likes a DG email. <laughs> we got 12, which is a foot, by the way. Can't even hit the wedge wood in the backyard. Listen to this. I'm watching TV. I caught Costas on his HBO show with your pal Al Michaels, who said he'd never ate a vegetable in his life. Costas asked, how was that possible? His parents were 18 when he was born, and I guess it was not a lot of discipline. You got shtick. Can you cop top that? Regards, DG. <laughs> no, can't, cannot top that. Thank you. Uh, from Jeff Berger in Hillsborough, North Carolina. These recipes for boiled eggs all sound great, but perhaps too complicated. Here's a simple North Carolina recipe for boiled eggs that you can try next time you go to Pinehurst. Stop at a convenience store, preferably one that also sells bait for fishing. Look for the jar of pickled eggs on the counter. It's even better if there's a red tint to the jar. <laughs> Stick your hand in the jar, pull out an egg, and eat it like Saliza. Grab some Pepto on your way out. We did that. Lake Lorraine in Pennsylvania was the first time I saw those pickled eggs, and I went, whew, I'm in a different world, aren't I? From Mike Walichko in Chicago. I just tested the listener-provided instructions to place eggs in boiling water for 13 minutes, followed by five minutes in ice water. This falls somewhere in the spectrum between Game Changer and Straight Cash Homie. Thank you. So that one works. From Kristen LeBlanc, from a man named Kristen. This is from Canada, as we know. I've been listening to the show for years. I keep hearing Tony joke about Revere. And the other day, I'm playing around on Ancestry.com and realized that 10 of my great-grandfather's brothers and sisters moved to Revere from Wedgeport, Nova Scotia in the 1920s. And I have hundreds of relatives that all live in Revere. Small world, connective tissue of the show. What are we even doing here, man? <laughs> from Mike, formerly in Burke, Virginia. I haven't read this. It's going to slam me, I know. I'm pleased to report that one... The UVA football team has made a scholarship offer to a quarterback named Dante Reno, which is right up there for good QB names. More importantly, Mr. Reno attends the Loomis Chafee School. <laughs> yes, the institution, and I use that word advisedly, that produced the most effete member of the most effete profession that has produced a D1 QB prospect. Please alert Lace. That's pretty funny. From Luke in Fargo, North Dakota. Dear Mr. Tony, as I'm sure you're aware, the football team, so this is written last week, is getting a new name soon. The name should be quite obvious. D.C. has the Capitals and the Nationals and has had two different senators. The choice is clear. Representatives, this fits well with other nicknames of D.C. past and present, and maybe 50,000 fans chanting representative on game day <laughs> might finally prompt ownership to make some changes. That would wisely good. done. From Mike Pennell, who's in Khartoum in the Sudan. I listened in recent weeks as you, Michael, and Nigel discussed the proper pronunciation of Haribo, or is it Haribu, candies. I think the only fair way to determine that the candy's correct pronunciation is to convene a tribunal from Lake Orion, the Willamette Valley, and Revere, or maybe Worcester, <laughs> to make a final determination. From Alan Gerard in Norman, Oklahoma. I had a David Aldridge moment the other week when Tony mentioned Wes Junker when talking about the Capitol Weather Gang. 
Yeah, Mr. Tony, not only is Wes Junker a real person, he's a friend and colleague of mine and a real colleague, not one of Kip Scheman's imaginary colleagues. Wes was a longtime distinguished meteorologist at the National Weather Service's National Meteorological Center in Camp Springs, which eventually became the current Weather Prediction Center in College Park on the Maryland campus. When I started out as a meteorologist in the National Weather Service in 1990, at my first assignment in Columbus, Ohio, Wes was already legendary for his awesome winter weather and heavy rainfall skills as a national forecaster at M NMC. As my career moved on, I got the opportunity to meet and know Wes, and in fact, we both served as presidents of the National Weather Association, one of the two main professional societies for meteorologists in the United States. Wes is now retired and writes for Capital Weather Gang as one of his post-retirement gigs. I was ecstatic to hear you mention him. Connective tissue. Enjoy your bit of show tonight, snow tonight while Boston hunkers down for a couple of feet. So this was the other week. Yeah, hold on to that one. That's unbelievable. You have a personal meteorologist Wes now. Junker. We ought to get we ought to get a phone number for him and just call him. Right. What's right, the real deal, Wes? Yeah. Him and him and Sammy now. Yeah. Sammy, as the kids at camp call him. <laughs> Big John from Muscoy, California, formerly of Ucalpa. Mr. Tony, are you telling me the orange man who has trouble with remote doesn't understand crypto? Really? <laughs> I don't understand crypto. Jennifer Garvin, Rockville, Maryland. First things first, long time little here, since 1999. I must tell you, I completely agree with you and everyone else's take on Applebee's using the cheers thing. I was appalled when I first heard the ad. I cringe when it comes on. And while I haven't set foot in Applebee's in at least 10 years, there was a time when Applebee's was a big part of my life. From 1992 to 1999, I worked on and off at four different Applebee's in three states. I started off at my hometown Newport News, Virginia location, transferred to the Roanoke, Virginia location, and then transferred again to the Elk Grove location. That's in California. Bill Cartwright grew up in Elk Grove, the center. Oh, sure. For the Bill pool. Cartwright, oh, wow. Wow. where my tips completely supported me as I worked a stint as an unpaid sports radio intern at a local news station. I eventually moved to Chicago for grad school where the horror, there was no Applebee's. But after finishing school and finding myself the winner of a $20,000 a year job at a newspaper, the Applebee's in Sandusky, Ohio, saved me and my finances once again. So while I cringe that the company used to refer to his employees as Apple Buddies and commandeered one of the best TV theme songs ever, I must also be grateful for the opportunity it once gave a 20-year-old girl by teaching her the valuable trade of serving. This is probably more than any of your listeners ever wanted to know about Applebee's, but if you read it, I also want to say thank you for entertaining me all these years. Your podcast and PTI are a huge part of my life. I don't think a day goes by without me or my partner, John, talking about you, Michael, Nigel, all of the regulars like you are family, because to us, you are. Isn't that nice? That's lovely. Isn't that nice? From Teddy Dupree, today my school bus was hit by a Subaru in a parking lot. I now truly understand your hatred for Subaru drivers. How great is that? From Ben Myers. Ben Myers has, he's, he's got a title, right? He's the Associate Director of Communications and Marketing at Albany Law School. And he writes, I don't know if there's precedent for this in the Pantheon of TK Show history, but I had a double David Aldrich moment within 10 minutes listening to shows last week. I followed your work since your pleasant braying on a certain ESPN program first airing became part of my sophomore dinners at Springfield College in Massachusetts, complimenting your begrudging and beguiling columns that were part of my coursework in communication slash sports journalism. But I've never emailed before. However, double I know that person moments have to be an alignment of coincidence destined by Jupiter, Neptune, at the very least, Uranus. First, while Anna Grierson is one of the best sports writers in New Hampshire's storied history and an exceptional friend, she actually started her career in sports as a photographer for the Springfield Student. As her former editor-in-chief at that venerable college publication, I'm not surprised she became such a talented scribe or a TK show emailer. Second to Hardy Lucizari to David Lombardo in Saratoga Springs. Being in communications for Albany Law School, I often coordinate interviews with David on current legal topics for the Capitol Press Room. So you have it at your disposal when needed. New York governor's name, by the way, is pronounced Hochul, Kathy Hochul. I can certainly say that the show provides me an escape from the day-to-day -day grind, and I'm glad to know another person up here in minus four degrees agrees. Isn't this, is this not amazing? It really is. How do people hear it and hear the emails? How do they stay with it for the length of time <laughs> that that is required? He also started a career in higher education at the creative media, as creative media coordinator at Harper College in Binghamton University. It's just, it's amazing. It's just amazing. He wants something called the Real Regal Beagle Home Brewery to be the official home brewery. All of our offerings are named after our pets, but there's certainly a style and a tap handle available for a certain canine that weighs in on Senate Ponsky. The, the Regal Beagle? Wasn't that the bar from um, Three's Company? I don't know. It was. I think that was. I don't okay. know. The yes. Regal Beagle. From Ed Quinn in DuPont Circle. 
I'm not sure if you saw the news last week that Michael's Inheritance, formerly known as Chatter, is slated to become a Mediterranean Moroccan restaurant named Alley Cat and will apparently feature dancing. Did you ever consider a dance floor for the podcast audience? I've always thought that the market for weekday dancing between 7 and 9 a.m. has been underserved. <laughs> Very funny email. Um, we were told you were not allowed to have live music there. That's right. So you couldn't have dancing because you couldn't have any music. Robert Harper, this show truly stinks. A customer was of mine recently returned from the USA because he's in Trinidad and Tobago where they spoke of the weather in Houston. For some inexplicable reason, I interjected, Washington got three to five inches. <laughs> of course, the follow-up question to me was, you recently returned from Washington? No, haven't been in the U.S. since January 2020. I hate this show. Oh, the current temperature is 94. Oof. Uh, from Glenn O'Neill. After the recent winter storm dropped around five inches of snow in our Philly suburb, my son looked out the window and commented, cool, there are people cross-country skiing down our sidewalk. Seizing the opportunity for a teachable moment, I responded, get the snow shovel. <laughs> Um, another one, long-time listener exasperated over the hard-boiled egg situation. Once and for all, take the eggs out of the fridge. Let's sit for about 20 minutes. Place in saucepan with enough water to cover eggs. Bring to boil. Turn off heat. Let eggs sit in water for 10 minutes. Then into cold water, bath, and peel. Enjoy. It's like being stuck in a room with a bunch of Subaru owners. But that's different from what people yeah, are saying. Yeah, that is yeah, that's very different. different. That's different. Kyle Donnelly, Bloomington, Indiana. My preferred method for perfect hard-boiled eggs is to go to a nice brunch place and say, I'd like some hard-boiled eggs. <laughs> That yeah. works. Yeah. That's, that's a lazy way out, but it seems to me somewhat legitimate. Uh, J.H. In, in Herndon. To all those bragging about how many outlets they have in their kitchen, we're way ahead of the game. We have zero. All of our appliances use batteries. Who needs electricity when you have batteries? <laughs> outlet strips. <clears throat> Bill Isaacson. This is like three pages long from <laughs> Isaacson. It's a brief. Here we go. The interior decorator wife of David Epstein has it right. If you want a host of kitchen outlets, you want outlet strips. Sophia, to whom I'm related by marriage, says that they are called plug moldings. In our redecorated kitchen, thanks to plug moldings, we have 48 outlets. We only have four ordinary outlets in the wall and four on the floor. The rest are plug moldings. What is a plug molding, you ask? Well, frankly, I think David Epstein's wife is more precise by using the term outlet strips. Plug moldings are strips of outlets that are upside down underneath your kitchen cabinets. The term plug molding may have originated with Subaru owners who like to think of these outlets as a type of architectural molding. You could install plug moldings yourself at home if you bought some power strips and duct tape them upside down underneath your cabinets. Do you have anything like I that? I do not. Had you ever heard of this before? I've never heard of this. Despite the fact that we have more kitchen outlets than the mailbag has theme songs, I do not recommend the plug moldings to you. I had almost forgotten we had these extra outlets. Uh, before your recent podcast episodes. In practice, I almost always use the regular wall outlets because the outlets and plug moldings are upside down underneath cabinets, and to use them, you have to make awkward movements, which I'm sure you would find irritating from your perch in front of the sink as you drink red wine. As I am left wondering with all these outlets, as I am winning, and I am left wondering with all these outlets, am I winning the counting contest, or really, am I in last place in how to live your life contest and about to be awarded dinner at Applebee's where everyone will not know my name and no one will have a vaccination? Bill Masters in L.A. Stafford is playing. Eminem is in the halftime show. This is the closest Detroit is ever going to get to the Super Bowl. That's really nice. Uh, Tony Beeson. I have a friend here in Bengal Nation who happens to be a season ticket holder. He did not win the lottery for the distribution of face value tickets to the big game in Los Angeles. However, he's going anyway. He told me this morning that he sat his nine-year-old child down last night and said, son, you are going to have to pay for your own college education <laughs> so that mommy and daddy can go to this game. Who day? Tony Beeson, Cincinnati. Face value. Um, the face value was $2,500 each. That was the face value that they said. Wow. Wow. Elliot Olshansky. We love Elliot Olshansky. I'll we just do. read this and I'll get out. For weeks on end, you've asked why Reginald keeps going against Chuck Todd. Look at what happens when he finally <laughs> listens to you. That's it. That's the email. Best regards from Suffolk County, where your hated rival and newly designated SUNY flagship campus, Stony Brook, is leaving America East for the Colonial Athletic Association. If you want to pick a CAA school to root for against Stony Brook, I heartily recommend William and Mary. Not only is our own Brad Weiss a professor there, but his and my fellow Dartmouth alum, Brian Mann, is the athletic director. Brian is a former big green quarterback, Adam Sandler stunt double, and Lady Gaga backup performer. And how many other people can say that? I would say nobody can say that. Let me repeat this about Brian Mann. The former quarterback at Dartmouth, an Adam Sandler stunt double, and a Lady Gaga backup performer. I'm just going to end this by talking briefly 
about Stony Brook. We beat them. Binghamton went to Stony Brook and beat the hated Stony Brookies. Beat them by a lot. Beat them by a lot, 77-64. They had beaten us in Binghamton. 61. Whatever it was. Because they left for the Colonial Athletics Association, they announced they were leaving. They were going to big-time the people in the America East, as is their right and privilege. But they announced it at the wrong time because the America East threw them out. And the America East said, you're not eligible for our tournament now. So if you want to get into the NCAA, good luck getting an at-large. And this is so great for Stony Brook. People ask me, well, why do you hate Stony Brook? Well, mostly it's just for show. Because I don't care about Stony Brook. But now there's a reason to hate it. You want to bail out? Be smart enough to bail out after the season. Don't be this dumb. You're dumb. That's why you shouldn't be a flagship university. Does this guarantee you a spot in the, uh, in the tournament now? We're guaranteed one now. That's but we were, we're, we're in the middle of the pack. We're going to get one anyway. Yeah. We're in the middle of the pack. We're this good. kid Falco? Is that his name? At 29 the other yeah, night. Yeah, he's apparently At 29. pretty good. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. Come on, man. Well, what are we doing out there, man? The commanders are going commando Through the tunnel, here come the guys The commanders are going commando Ladies, avert your eyes They're young, they're free, they're all of age New name, new uniform, it's all the rage The commanders are going commando Keep your eye on the prize I stand by my belief they should have been called the Pentagons. Local military tie-in, cool geometrical shape, greatest rebrand in the history of sport. The commanders are going commando, they're gonna run wild tonight. The commanders are going commando, fight, fight, fight. Something that you don't know 